Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. While studying various materials on this passage from John's Gospel, the very best resource that I found, without a doubt, was Bruce Wilkinson's book entitled Secrets of the Vine. I found it very enlightening because this book answered a couple of questions that I had about things that had happened to me in the past that I was never able to fully understand. And they were rather painful experiences for me, and I wanted desperately to understand why they had happened to me. It is my hope that today perhaps you too will find some answers to some questions about things that have happened in your life too that you've not been able to understand. These verses from John contain Jesus' final message to his disciples. This message was delivered on the night before he was betrayed. By dusk the following day, Jesus would be dying on the cross. This message was important for his disciples, and it is equally as important for us today. In his last message before his death, Jesus wanted you and me to comprehend with our entire being that he has left us here on earth for one compelling reason, and that has everything to do with bearing fruit. Jesus wanted every follower for generations to come to know exactly how to live a life that is filled with spiritual gifts and blessings, a life that is used by God to demonstrate his love for the world. Jesus also wanted every follower for all generations to understand the steps that God would take to make that happen. It was the night before Passover, the Jewish day to remember the nation of Israel's escape from slavery in Egypt. This message came after Jesus and his disciples had eaten dinner in the upper room. Jesus had washed the feet of his disciples, and he told them that one of them would betray him. And then he went on to give them even more disturbing news, that soon he would be leaving them. Then he invited his disciples to follow him outside. As he headed toward the garden on, a Mount, on the Mount of Olives, he passed through the city of Jerusalem and through the Kidron Valley. It was there, in the Kidron Valley, that Jesus and his disciples passed through some ancient vineyards. Today, let's imagine them walking in single file between rows of neatly tended grapes, plants that had been bearing fruit for many, many generations. It was there that Jesus stopped and surrounded by his disciples with lamps and torches flickering in the night air, that Jesus reached for one of the branches and he began to speak. Throughout his ministry, Jesus loved to convey convey the deepest truths with simple earthly examples. Jesus used the metaphor of the vineyard to help us understand our role in bearing fruit for God. The more that we know about grapevines and how they grow, the better we will understand this passage. Jesus tells us that he is the vine. A grapevine is a trunk of a plant that grows out of the ground. Grapevines are traditionally kept at about waist height, somewhere around 36 to 42 inches high. The vine ends in a large gnarl 
in which branches grow from it in either direction and are tied to a trellis or wrapped around one. God the Father is the vine grower, the keeper of the vineyard. The vine grower's task is to coax from his plants as many pounds of grapes as he can possibly get them to produce. A healthy and properly tended vineyard yields more grapes. You and I are the branches. In the vineyard, the branches are the focus of the vine grower's efforts because they produce the fruit. Branches are tied to a trellis or propped up with sticks to let air circulate, to provide a maximum amount of sunshine, and to allow full access for tending them. Each branch is lovingly cultivated by the vine grower so that it will bear as much fruit as possible. So what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about that we are to bear? It is the fruit from our lives that allows God to receive his due honor here on earth. In practical terms, fruit represents good works, a thought, an action, or an attitude of ours that God values because it glorifies him. We bear outward fruit when we allow God to work through us to bring him glory. This may include sharing our faith with others, maybe taking food to a sick neighbor, listening to a friend as they share a problem with us, working in an outreach ministry, singing in the choir, teaching a Sunday school class, phoning someone that's a new visitor to our church, or maybe phoning someone who's been missing for a couple of weeks, visiting a hospital or a nursing home, serving on a church committee, or perhaps even being a missionary in the jungle. These are just a few of the many ways that we can serve God by living a fruitful life. Outward fruit appears whenever our motive is to glorify God. Real fruit is permanent. It lasts forever. Jesus wanted us to understand that we are here to fulfill God's dream. God's dream is that we will bring him glory through living a remarkably abundant life. That is how we find our greatest personal satisfaction now and for all eternity. Now you would think that something so crucial to God's plan would happen automatically in your life and in mine. But nothing could be further from the truth. In the vineyard, not all branches respond alike. Each branch of the grapevine requires the vine grower's individual attention in order to produce the maximum level of harvest of the fruit. And so it is for us. Each of us also requires individual attention from God so that we too will produce the maximum amount of fruit. When the harvest day arrives, each branch and each of us will have produced a different sized crop. Let's take a stroll through the vineyard where the vine grower has lovingly placed the grapes from each particular branch in a basket on the ground underneath the branch. There are four distinct levels of eternal yields. As we take a look inside each of the baskets, I'd like for you to consider each of these four baskets and which of them best represents your life so far and the level that you have glorified God in your life. Basket number one has absolutely no fruit inside. 
Basket number two has a little fruit. If you glance inside the basket, you can see a couple of clusters of grapes there. Basket number three is half full of plump, juicy grapes. And you are very pleased with this harvest. But can it get even better? Then we look in basket four. Wow. You see a basket that is overflowing with the plumpest, juiciest, most delicious grapes you have ever seen in your entire life. You have never seen a branch produced like that before. God wants us to bear more fruit, so much that he actively tends each of our lives so that we will keep moving up from a barren branch that produces no fruit to a branch that produces a little bit of fruit to a branch that produces more fruit to a branch that produces a a basket full of fruit that's overflowing for his glory. And there's always more fruit possible for us to give or produce because we were created to bear fruit for God. So let me ask you, how much fruit do you see in your life today? Which basket of grapes would best describe your life thus far? One, two, three, or four? Bruce Wilkinson, the author of Secrets of the Vine, asked audiences all over the world how they would describe the level of fruit from most, that most Christians bear today. And he found that their responses were pretty consistent. They concluded that nearly half of all Christians bear little or no fruit. Another third bears some fruit. And only a mere 5% bear a lot of fruit. Think about all the Christians that you know. Do these numbers seem accurate to you? If these findings are even close to being accurate, then it is no wonder that Jesus taught this very important lesson on the night before he died. You see, bearing fruit is not some unique phenomenon that is reserved for only certain Christians. It is or should be the destiny of every believer. If Jesus chose us for abundance, and he expects abundance from us, and we were created to deeply desire it, then how can we ever find fulfillment with a half-empty basket? God wants us to live fruitful lives so badly that he actually helps us along so that we will bear fruit for his kingdom. If our lives consistently bear no fruit, God will take measures to steer us in a direction that he wants us to go. Did you know that new branches of grapevines have a tendency to grow along the ground? Well, when branches grow along the ground, the leaves get coated with dust. And when it rains, they get muddy and mildewed. So the branch can't grow fruit. It becomes sick and useless. But rather than cut it off and throw it away, the vine grower walks through the vineyard with a, with a bucket of water. He looks for those branches. He lifts them up gently, and he gently washes them off. Then they're wrapped up and tied around that trellis once again, and pretty soon they're thriving. Just as a vine grower takes whatever measures are necessary to correct the new growth of a grapevine so that it will begin to bear fruit, God also takes whatever measures are necessary to help us bear fruit. And one of God's tactics 
to help us produce more fruit is to discipline us. It is important to remember that God always disciplines us out of love. The most common form of discipline that we experience is through a convicting thought, maybe a prick of our conscience, a timely word from someone, a sermon, a scripture that we read, maybe even a conviction of the Holy Spirit. God's actions are intended to nudge us lovingly, wisely, and persistently toward the life and the character that we desire but we cannot achieve without his help. However, if we choose to harden our hearts and close our eyes, we force him to intensify the correction. At the next stage of discipline, we begin to feel emotional anxiety, frustration, or distress. What used to bring us joy no longer does. Pressures increase at home, at work, in our health, and or in our finances. God wants to get our attention. He longs to have us bear fruit once again. God has another strategy for coaxing a greater harvest out of his branches, and that is to prune, to thin, to reduce, to cut off. Grapevines have a tendency to grow so vigorously that they become so dense that the sun cannot reach the area that the fruit forms. So a lot of wood has to be cut away each year. The disciples knew exactly what Jesus was talking about when he spoke about pruning. Vineyards had been a symbol of God's generous provision for Israel for nearly 2,000 years. And they understood that to get more from a grapevine, you have to go against the plant's natural tendencies. If our lives bear some fruit, God will intervene to prune us. If necessary, God will take a risk, and he'll risk that we will misunderstand his motives. His purpose is to cut away immature commitments and lesser priorities to make room for an even greater abundance for his glory. For the Christian, rampant growth represents all those preoccupations and priorities in our lives that keep us from doing more significant ministry for God. They need not be bad or wrong. They simply distract us from the ministry that God has called us to do. Without pruning, we as Christians will only be able to live up to a fraction of our potential. God cuts away parts of our lives that drain us, that leave us without precious time and energy to do what is really important. His pruning is anything but random, and he works uniquely in every Christian's life. What he judges as wasteful for me might be necessary for you and vice versa. God has intervened in my life a couple of times with his discipline and pruning. And each situation caused me great distress while it was happening. But now I can honestly look back and thank God for refocusing my attention on him. The first time that I ever experienced this was in 1991. At that time, I was a personal line sales representative for Liberty Mutual Insurance, the company where I have worked and held various positions for 33 years. Though I had been very reluctant about going into a sales career in the first place, God led me there so that I would meet my husband, Jack, whom I met through a cold call, believe it or not. (laughs) And we were married in 1990. But I found that even though I didn't really want to be there, I kind of enjoyed selling insurance after a while. Well, however, 
Even though I had been a lay speaker for several years before I went into sales, I found that in sales I was working so many hours. I had to work lots of hours, like 60 or more each week. They just, that job just didn't leave me much time for God or serving him at all. Well, towards the end of 1991, I would start the week off looking pretty good with five or six sales for the week. looked good. But by Wednesday or Thursday of that week, those numbers would drop to one or two, which was not very good. It didn't matter how hard I tried or how hard I worked. It didn't matter. The same thing kept happening over and over again. Well, as you can imagine, pretty soon I was under a great deal of stress because of this. And at that time, a position opened in our customer service department, and I was considering it very much because I thought, well, I won't have the stress and I, I won't have those long hours, and it would be a lot better, maybe. But I also would have had to take a very huge cut in pay. That's what bothered me. It was an extremely decision for me to make, especially since I knew that that sales position had been God's idea to begin with. You see, I didn't even want to apply for it. It was something that God just kept pushing me until I did. So I was torn and confused. And so I prayed to God for his guidance and direction. And he spoke to me during a Sunday morning worship service. While we were all standing and singing Amazing Grace, I heard God's voice. And I will never forget his words to me. Gail, Gail, haven't I always taken care of you? I gave you that sales job to meet your husband. You now have your husband. I want you back. So I knew what God wanted me to do, without a doubt. I gave my answer the next day and stepped down into that customer service role a few weeks later. But amazingly, my sales suddenly just went through the roof the last few weeks that I was in that job. It seemed like everything that I had been working on for weeks and months suddenly came through for me. And I now know that that was God's way of telling me that I could do that job. He just wanted me in a different position so that I would have more time for my speaking and teaching ministry. It is important for us to realize that we, as humans, have an extremely limited perspective of ourselves, of the world around us, and certainly of God's kingdom. We must remember that God knows us better than we know ourselves because he created us. God also knows everything about the world around us and his kingdom. We cannot foresee what will happen an hour from now, but God knows what will happen for all eternity. And while this experience was painful for me, as were the others that I've gone through as well, I can look back and I can see that they were better for me. And once I had fulfilled God's purpose in that role, whatever it was, God had to intervene to get me to move in a different direction. And I had to do so, and I listened, and I did it. And in the long run, I am much happier and far more fulfilled because of God's intervention. In pruning, God asks us to let go of things that keep us from doing work for his kingdom and for our ultimate good. Pruning is God's way of guiding and directing us so that we will produce more fruit for his glory. God not only helps us bear more fruit for his kingdom, but he longs to abide with each and every one of us. 
We must have a strong relationship with God in order to bear fruit. It is when we choose to spend more time with him through prayer, reading and study the scriptures, and listening for his voice that we can enjoy the most rewarding friendship with God. The closer we are to God, the greater the amount of peace and joy we will experience. We will never be able to live a life that produces a basket that is overflowing with fruit if we do not have a deep, personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The closer and stronger our relationship is with God, the greater the quantity and the greater the quality of the fruit that we will bear. So how full is your basket? How much fruit are you bearing for God's kingdom? Always remember that God can use you no matter what season you are in. Jesus used his disciples to preach the kingdom and even to perform miracles while they were still immature in their faith. God continues to use each and every Christian throughout their entire lifetime here on earth. God's plans for you are unique and are especially designed for your success. Don't compare your progress with that of anyone else. We all progress at the rate that God wills us to progress. It is never too late to bear fruit. Even if you have missed past opportunities, God will continue to pursue you for your entire lifetime. If by chance you are currently in a season of disciplining or pruning, hold firm to the knowledge that God has already planned a significant life for you, and he will guide you and direct you to it. All that is required is your willingness to listen to God and to follow his direction for your life. The question I ask each of you today is, are you willing to hear God's voice and to follow him? If your answer is yes, then let us all pledge to live more fruitful lives. Let us vow to fill our baskets so full that they will be overflowing with fruit for God's kingdom so that we will truly honor and glorify God all the remaining days of our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us enough to intervene in our lives with your discipline and your pruning. We ask that you continue to guide us and direct us so that we will produce baskets that are overflowing with fruit for your kingdom. May our lives always honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.